I've had to speak about this transfer saga for what feels like a lifetime, but now at the close of the dumbest, most ill-fated attempt at a transfer in football history, I have just a few more words. Neymar Jr.'s three-month transfer odyssey has exposed a man whose legacy through a combination of his own personal mistakes and just plain dumb luck has taken a tremendous hit. He was keenly aware of this fact, and rather than standing and fighting on his own two feet, he hid behind his father. He hid behind his lawyers. He hid behind his entourage in an attempt to run back to the shade of Lionel Messi's shadow. The Brazilian made a gamble that he could totally control his fate, when time after time it has been proven how little control he really has. His ankles have failed him, and so have his instincts. Whatever he was told by whomever told him was an outright lie, or at the least wishful thinking. At no time could FC Barcelona make his dream come true. They just didn't have the money, and after years of bitter fighting between the clubs both on the field and in the media, Paris Saint-Germain wasn't going to give away its best player for a discount. There's been so much noise and fury based around this player from both fans and journalists. However, this transfer story was always simple. Through the fog and the confusion, through Gianluca DiMarzio's bullshit and the blinding lights of speculation, it was always simple. As simple as it was when PSG came for Neymar in 2017, and Barcelona said in so many words, pay the fee, get the player. For Paris, this was always the answer laid at the end of Barcelona and Neymar's quest for a reunion. At the end of the quest, Barcelona ran out of money, and Neymar ran out of bullets. Barcelona will be fine for now. They have Lionel Messi. But will Neymar be fine? Is he willing to fight for his legacy in a place he so desperately wanted to leave? Can he get over his cowardice and learn that standing on your own is never easy and the path is strewn with traps and pitfalls? This fact of life pertains to everybody, even the ones who feel that God's divine touch shields them from the evils of a cruel world. The outcome so far is not what the boy from Sao Paulo imagined, and that frustration has led him to second-guess and run from the fight he once signed up for willingly, not knowing that he would actually have to fight the fight rather than just wait for his coronation. Neymar is a lost soul, without clarity or much hope. From that depth, many men never come back, but some do. Whether he does or not is totally up to him, not Barcelona, not his lawyers, not even his father. For the first time in his life, he must stand on his own two feet. One man against the Bastille, alone. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Damon, and this is the 1970. Uh, we're coming to you on Wednesday. Not Wednesday. Jeez, Thursday. <laughs> it feels like August Wednesday. August 29th. Uh, there we go. That's that's Ed. Um, that's Ed cackling at me over there. So, Ed, <laughs> anything you want to add to my little beginning, uh, my beginning salvo? Yeah, unlike Neymar, let's take care of some business here. This podcast is brought to you by the Big Heads Podcast Network. We're thrilled to be a partner with them. Go check out their website, bigheadsmedia.com, for our podcast and many others. I think you pretty much covered everything there with the latest on Neymar. Um, last night, we went to bed, and we thought that this 
transfer wasn't going to happen. I was watching the talking heads on ESPN FC talking about it was pretty much over and, you know, maybe that Neymar should be transferred, but it wasn't going to happen. Everyone thought this was done. Neymar wasn't going to go to Barcelona. Barcelona didn't have the money. They didn't have the players to offer. Then we all woke up this morning around 9 a.m. I'm just settling in for the day. And as you called him, you know, Gianluca Di Marzio, with this bullshit tweet that gets PSG Twitter all riled up saying that a deal has been agreed upon. No other details, mind you. There was no, in return, PSG are receiving this much cash, these players, nothing. Just that a deal had been agreed upon. The internet blew up. You know, the clickbait machines were in full throttle, publishing articles, until PSG, while Neymar was training, mind you, had to release a statement to, I believe it was RMC Sport, basically, no, no deal has been agreed upon, basically calling the report bogus. Even Barcelona came out and said eventually later in the day that no deal had been agreed upon. So I think it was Sid Lowe, a, a reporter uh, covers uh, La Liga, he had this long thread about for the past couple months, every day, a deal has been agreed upon. We're getting close. I mean, the Spanish media have hyped this thing up, and I'm just ready for it to all end. I've, I've about had enough of this transfer as much as I can take. Um, Leonardo, I think we are in good hands with him. I think that PSG are in great hands right now. Um, I, I, I think PSG is in a perfect scenario right at this moment. They have managed to hold on to Neymar to the very end. If Real Madrid or if Barcelona want Neymar, they have to come out with their best and final. And PSG's worst case scenario is they get to keep Neymar. That's a pretty good worst case scenario. So what do you think is going to happen here with the last few days in the transfer window with Neymar? Right now we have four more days till the end of this window. The window, for some weird reason, doesn't end on August 31st. It ends on a Monday. Apparently it has to end on a weekday or some for some stupid reason. So it's ending on September 2nd. Which is actually good for us because a lot of people here in the United States who are PSG fans, it's Labor Day here. And so we'll all be, most of us will be off of work um, and we'll be able to follow all of the news that day. So from our point of view, I kind of like that. But (laughs) I can't imagine that PSG are going to transfer one of the best three players in the, or best five players in the world on the last day of the transfer window with the other two attacking options sidelined with muscle injuries. I don't see that happening. Like it doesn't make any real sense. And I was pretty harsh with uh, my critiquing of DiMarzio, Mm -hmm. who is more name than actual substance at this point. It's like, I think people remember a time (laughs) when Gianluca DiMarzio was a great transfer guru of some kind in Italian football. And he's living off of that reputation because if you've really looked at it, what was the last deal, major deal he really got right? Like, I remember in June we had all we had signed Matthias Delete. Remember that? Remember <laughs> yes. that report yeah. that, he, yeah. that he said that you know what he said? He said Mino Raiola was flying to Paris 
to conclude the deal for Matias De Ligt. And that did not happen. That The opposite actually happened. And if I remember right, he was also pretty high on PSG signing Frankie De Jong as well. So when it comes to PSG, he has no source within the PSG organization. To, to be to be fair, though, Julian Laurent, who apparently has sources, also said that Delict was coming to PSG. A lot of them got that one wrong. Yes, but I think a lot of them. Here's what I think happens, and I'm, we're going a little inside inside baseball, or in this case, inside soccer here. I think what happens is a lot of these guys have their quote unquote sources that they get information from. Some more reliable than others, but they mm-hmm. wait for a guy like a DiMarzio who has some sort of name and credibility to break the news first so that they can then come on the heels of it and say, oh, if DiMarzio says it's true, then I then, of course, then my source was right. So it's not always very well done. I don't think a lot of these guys have great sourcing. I don't think a story like this has been sourced well at all from any angle. Like, and, and and this is absolutely unheard of here in the United States. We are fortunate enough in the big leagues, the NFL, the NBA, we don't have this. There may be a Chris Broussard, you know, famously got the, the Kawhi Leonard thing wrong. But for the most part, when there's a Woj bomb, it's you can take it to the bank. That's what's happening. We don't have this. And we wouldn't tolerate that here. I don't understand why these journalists, and I'm using air quotes, are allowed to be credentialed why they're given access that they have when they report just fake news for lack of a better word it's fake news it i don't know why we allow that to continue happening and and, and look the problem with this one is really simple because he walked you notice he walked it back Mm -hmm. what he said was and this is this is this is uh this is like lawyer semantics 101 they he said they have an agreement in principle but it's all reliant on Usman Dembele agreeing to come over in either a loan or an option to purchase or a straight out transfer. Nobody really knows. And that's funny because the day before Usman Dembele's agent with no reason to lie at this mm-hmm. point, no reason to obfuscate in the situation said, we don't want him to, we want him to stay. 100% want him to stay. Usman Dembele doesn't want to come here. Ivan Rakitic doesn't want to come here. They, the, that's why player swaps are stupid. Because <laughs> players don't like being used as trade bait. It takes away their leverage. Yeah. And it lowers their value because they're not being traded for money. They're being traded for an asset. And pretty much so, every player that Barcelona was offering up, Rakitic, several others, they all said, Semedo, none of them wanted to come to PSG for the exact reason you said. Why? though because and it's not that psg is a a terrible place to to work because it's not it's i live in i live in barcelona i've lived in barcelona for many years but we've bought houses here and now all of a sudden at the end of august i have to move my entire family to paris france and i have to move myself to paris france first of all rakitic isn't guaranteed playing time in psg's midfield i'm sorry just isn't um dembele would play but He's hurt right now. And the kid they were throwing in there, the French center back, Jean-Michel Tohibo, I think his name is, mm-hmm. he wouldn't play. He's not playing in front of Silva or Marquinhos. He's not playing in front of Presto Kimpembe at this point. So the, whole, a, thing is yeah. just, the whole thing is absurd. 
it, it's a big adjustment. It's a different league. It's a different language. Different. It's different everything. Different expectations. The lineup. The players. Your teammates. I I can in, totally understand in why. All on four days' notice. Right. It's 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 <laughs> I I really, and I, we'll get off of this because again it's it's boring at this point. But what I really think is happening here is I think PSG is humoring Neymar here and they're going through the motions to show him that at least they tried mm-hmm. because they know that they have to try to live with this guy for another 10 months before they have the chance to sell him again. So as opposed to saying out and outright, no, we're not going to transfer you. They have humored him to the nth degree. They have kept him out of games. They have negotiated. And I'm sure they have come up with some sort of package that if they had to, they could accept and live with, mm-hmm. but they have no real intention of selling Neymar. And Unless this again, point, the real offer comes in, and we have yet to see a real offer. And at this point, a real offer would have to include players. You cannot, fans will not tolerate letting Neymar go for cash. That does not help supporters at this point at all, unless Leonardo has several players lined up that he's ready to spend on. Yeah, but that would be like, because you can't, first of all, you can't sign agreements with people unless you have the money in place to do the signing agreements with. So the, minute, the, so the minute you trade you 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 trade over Neymar, it, let's say you do it on September first, Juventus isn't just going to give you Paolo Dybala. They're going to make you pay a hundred million because you have a hundred million. Yeah. It's just it. You know what? And I'll say it. This might happen, and I might sound like an idiot, and that whole opening statement might be moot by the time we record this. I don't know, but it would be pretty bizarre to see that move happen. It'd be really bizarre. Like, you would question PSG's competence if they did that. Which is yeah. why you think, okay, it's Leonardo. He's a competent human being. He's a competent executive in this sport. Why would he do that? What would the point be? And it's not like Neymar's creating that big of a hassle right now. So to me, it's like, I, just, I, I don't know. I just, I don't see it happening. I think DiMarzio got this one 100% wrong. You won't suffer the consequences for it or anything because nobody ever does in that mm. in that line of work. But man, I think he got this one wrong. I think it just smelled bad from the beginning. Yeah. Last last word on this one before we move on. I think that um, with the game uh, tomorrow against Mets, that Neymar will not be in the lineup or or even traveling. I don't think leaves the door open. I think they said he's not going to play until the transfer business is sorted. If he's not traveling, if he's not part of the team, he is training. But you know what? That's the right thing to do, though. It is. It is. But I think just that alone, if PSG were, you know, set on not transferring well, him. No, because, you know, I, I get what you're saying. But yeah. here's the thing. They're trying to walk this fine line of attempting to pretend like they're trying to make a deal while actually not really making one. So they have to do this. They have to go through this motion here. Okay. Because if you play him and he gets hurt, then it's all done. Then you then you're screwed. And if you play him in front of the home crowd and the fans boo him when he's actually there, then you've got to then he'll throw a hissy fit. And you don't want that either. So you want the first time he plays in front of those fans to be when it's either he's, you know, there or not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't want there to be that hanging over him as he, you know, as he's playing in a game. So I would say, yeah, I don't, I think this is the right move to make. 
You're a week before the international break. You could maybe get by against Mez, but it's not worth the it's not worth the gamble you'd be taking. Well, you said that swap deals are stupid and pointless and never happen. So let's talk about a swap deal that actually might happen. Uh, it's being reported today, this afternoon actually, uh, by sources, RMC Sports, several others, that Alphonse Areola uh, is likely headed to Real Madrid in a swap deal for Keylor Navas. So tomorrow against Mets could be Areola's last uh, game in PSG colors. Um, it's a rare type of deal. Um it also kind of goes against the idea that big clubs don't really want Ariola. Now, maybe they were just like, hey, we need a backup, so okay, we'll take him. I think previously the biggest club we've talked about was Newcastle that was in for Ariola. Um, I thought it was funny. Our friend on Twitter and Leon supporter, Rabita Farouk, uh, you can find her at, at Offside Beat. She summed it up perfectly by saying that Ariola was friend zoned by PSG. He. You know, they liked him, but they didn't really love him. And they were happy to start him, but as soon as something more attractive came by, they were always ready to sit him on the bench for something else. Um, he's kind of a, a, a polarizing figure, Ariel. So I'm wondering what you think about this um, reported swap deal. Yeah, and I think the, I think the quote is, I, 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 well, I'm not, don't remember which cartoon this was from, but it was from a Nickelodeon cartoon. They like him, but they don't like him like him. <laughs> It, that's what it is. And you know what? The key, you mentioned the key right there. They like him as a – Real Madrid are bringing him in as a backup. He would be mm-hmm. the backup. Like, he would not be playing major games for them unless Thibaut Courtois got hurt. Right. So it's not like they see him as this big starter, like, that's going to come in and take and compete with Thibaut Courtois. They see him as a backup. PSG have had him as their starting goalkeeper for two years now. and. I've I've said my opinion about him. I'll say it again. He's a very physically talented goalkeeper. He is a freak athlete. He can do things that a lot of other goalkeepers can't do physically. He can be a dominant in the air presence on corners, free kicks, etc. But He's not great with the ball at his feet. I think Navas is slightly better than him at that, or at least he's not as catastrophic as Ariola has been at times. Ariola is also very indecisive in key moments, mm-hmm. and he's always a step slow. And I, I'll, I'll bring an example, and you can bring this up when you listen to this. The goal he gave up against Monaco in the 2016-17 season, the one from Bernardo Silva that tied that game at the Parc des Princes 1-1 and basically guaranteed Monaco the title. Watch that goal again. That was Ariola's goal. To Ariola gave that goal up because he had enough time to react to where Silva was kicking, was, was aiming that shot, and he was just slow to it. He just wasn't decisive in his dive, and he let that ball through. And you saw goals this year where it's just, he's just a step slow. And it's not a step slow physically, it's a step slow mentally. You know, that it's kind of weird that last year you had uh, Gianluigi Buffon, who was a step behind physically, but not mentally. Ariola's the other way around. He's, <laughs> he's that step behind mentally. Sometimes he falls asleep during games. It's he's not consistent enough. And I know Jonathan Johnson 
for years, and I think I agree with him kind of on this, which is you had to give Ariola the chance. Mm-hmm. And I think PSG did. I think. I think did. so too. I think they they gave him a chance in sixteen seventeen. He really was the number one over Kevin Trapp. And then last year it was pretty clear, like you know, you take the risk with Buffon, and it didn't work out. But I don't think it was the wrong call, and I would make the, I'd make that call again. In this year, if you have a chance to get a guy who's won three Champions Leagues, who's been a key contributor in those in that in that run of success, who's a fierce competitor, who's an intelligent keeper, who can come out of the box and he can make, you know, he can take risks and he can help your back line. I'm all for that. Like this is a no-brainer. It really is. Like. This is absolutely no brainer. You do it a hundred times out of a hundred. Now the problem is if Navas gets hurt, mm. you're still stuck with Marcin Bulka as your as your backup goalkeeper. <laughs> but I do this deal all all day. I do this deal all day every day. And it's being reported between fourteen to eighteen million. So and you know what consider- those, those numbers sort of add up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Ariola's that's about what Ariola's worth. Navas is about worth that much. Yeah. They just uh, PSG just transferred away Arthur Zagre for ten million, which we'll talk about another time. But I think that was a really good piece of business for a guy that's never who has a loads of potential, but actually never really played in any kind of meaningful match. Yeah, to get a tenth of what Cristiano Ronaldo went to Juventus for for a guy that literally never played in a competitive <laughs> match is pretty good. And you're forgetting the 15% sell-on fee. So if he does reach his potential and goes for a big figure from Monaco, then we get... If you get a kickback on it. Yeah, that's not bad. And that, you know, that that money will help, you know, bring another person in if they have to. So I'd say, you know what, not bad. I I, I think Navas is the right guy. And I... I think you kind of think that too. I don't don't think you're working... No, I'm with you. I, I... like the move for Buffon last season, it didn't work out, obviously, but I think Navas is a little bit younger. He's a little bit more athletic. Yeah. yeah. So I think that he's like the perfect blend between having that right mentality, but still being physically capable to perform at a high level in the Champions League. So I think it's a great move. And I think as many players that we can get out that have suffered those devastating defeats that are kind of like fringe players or maybe not like a Verratti or somebody like that um, – I think it's good to get those players out because when you're in that moment, those are the type of players that can collapse under the pressure. And you're right, Ariola has all those tools, but how much of those losses and those mental errors weigh on him? And in the big moment, can you depend on him? And I think that's what supporters have always been worried about. And I know a lot of the the French football fans on Twitter, you know, are, are sticking up for Ariola. They really like him, and that's fine, you know. If he if he is what they say he is, then maybe he'll rise to the top at Madrid or he'll have to go on and prove himself elsewhere. Um, it's unfortunate he, he kind of came up through the the PSG Academy and got all the way all the way up. And you like to see that. But to, to climb that to that next level, I don't think he's the keeper that can do it. So Navas has all the credentials. So I'm looking forward look, to hopefully this will be completed. Look, I, you know. He's 26. You think you would have seen it by now? Yeah. You know, if you if you knew he was going to be the guy, you would have seen it by now. And you know, just to, for for reference point, 
pretty much around the same age, Gianluigi Buffon was leading a, you know, Italy to a World Cup. Like, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not, it's not that he's too young. He's he's right around that age where you start seeing goalkeepers reach that potential, and you know, he just never has. And I, I don't see him getting that much better than he is in the situation they're in now. And yeah. I think we will transition at this point. Cause I, I think we both are kind of an easy agreement on this, but I'd love to see it get done. I still, you know, wait for the, wait for the, wait for the official club communication, but eh, this might actually happen. And I'd be <laughs> happy about that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some injuries, something that PSG are all too familiar with. Uh, last, Sunday's game against uh, Toulouse was a 4-0 victory, but PSG almost had as many people injured as goals scored. Um, Abdou Diallo left the game with a concussion or some of some sort. Edson Cavani injured his hip. I shit you not, <laughs> kicking the ball into the stands in frustration. So yeah, he's not injury. Pr- he's not. Uh, he's definitely not injury prone. Yeah. Kylian Mbappe with the old trying to leg out a long ball, pulled his hamstring bit, which happens to a lot of people. It's, yeah. I don't think it's indicative of anything. I think that's just what you know. That's what happens when big athletes run fast. They pull hamstrings. So. I've never had that happen. I can't run fast enough. No, we, we, us normal people don't <laughs> run fast and hard enough or have defined enough hamstring muscles to pull them like that. But that's where we are. Uh, it's our lot in life. Yeah. Uh, Mbappe, they're saying about three to four. Cavani, about three to four. And the, else, the, the other cavalcade of injured players will probably be coming back after the international break. So that first game against Strasbourg. PSG don't have a big turnaround to that first match against Real Madrid. It would be uh, very surprising to see Kylian Mbappe. Edson Cavani maybe a little bit more of a chance. But I'm not going to talk about that right now. I wanted to ask you, Ed. Mm-hmm. PSG in muscle injuries. Name a more iconic duo than that. Jesus. Well, just to back up for a second, you know, I'm, I'll never experience what Mbappe did, which is running fast and pulling in a hamstring. But if we keep adding podcasts, I'm going to strain a vocal cord, which I can assume that Mbappe knows nothing about. So, you know, we're on different levels, but, you know, we all have our struggles. Um yeah, so what what these injuries mean, Mbappe and Cavani, what essentially that means is that for at least the first game which in the Champions League, which would be against Real Madrid, because, of course, um, we're going to be without Neymar, who's suspended or could be transferred. We're going to be without Mbappe and Cavani. I don't know who's scoring the goals. Um, Chuba Moting did have a brace against Toulouse, so... Maybe he can step in. Maybe Tuchel wants to move some things around in, in the midfield and maybe play, I don't even know, Di Maria, Sarabia, I don't know what you do, but um, it's not great. And in PSG, are really light now in the attack, which is not a place where we thought we would be at this point. We, you know, injuries happen, but no one thought that Cavani and Mbappe would go down at the same time. Um, it's not good. So if if, if we were going to transfer Neymar, that would be not great, and we would need to get players back to fill that role. Um, what what do you think? I mean. Is this a long-term injury? Do you think? No. Do, do you it's think not, it's not long-term because it's a pulled hamstring? He needs to rest on it. It could reoccur, but it's you know it's just one of those things. That you, 
you don't know. It's hamstrings can be tricky, but I think when you give the best kind of medical attention to it, which he's going to get. Is he though? Like, no, well, (laughs) again, I, I, it's been pointed out to me that there's a difference between the medical staff and the fitness staff. I, I don't know what's happening with this. It just seems like every year PSG come in with these great teams and then somebody gets hurt, whether it be ankles, calves, groins, hamstrings, ankles, somebody gets hurt every year without fail. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm just used to it by now. It doesn't even bother me. It's like, I'm just, I, I accept that somebody on my team is going to get hurt every year and they're going to get hurt at the worst possible time. So I just accept it, but I really shouldn't like all these injuries. And they always seem to happen at home for some reason. I don't mm-hmm. know why. But it's it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. And I think that the issue, and they have to really figure this out, how to work these guys in a way where they're not every single one of them getting injuries. It, 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 it can't be three, four years of just the worst luck in the world. And, you know, you can say, well, what was the thing that stopped PSG from being one of the great European, you know, powers? I think number one on that list is probably injuries. Yeah. Going back years now, is is I think the, the, the match last season against Manchester United, we were relatively healthy, which made the loss even worse. But I get the, you know, the matches against Chelsea. I mean, we always have had players out due to injury or suspension. We've just never been able to come up on those big moments and have our full team and really give it a go. Um, you mentioned Neymar with the ankle turn. I don't know. I think I tweeted anyone associated with the conditioning staff should have a a serious talking to no other club deals with this clubs have injuries here and there, but you know, Messi, you know, doesn't get injured that much, you know, Liverpool and and all their players, all their stars, they don't, you know, Van Dijk, they, they don't pick up the injuries that we do. I don't understand why this continues to happen. Like you said, always at home. I don't have an answer for it. I'm not, I don't have a medical degree. I don't know what they're doing or not doing. But, but it seems like it's more than a coincidence. I I do. I think it's a again, this would be just me guessing, but I do think it's a combination of how physical Lee Gun is. I think those guys are getting hit more. I think their muscles are getting I guess the the muscles are being put under more trauma. And in general, the Lee Gun fields that aren't PSG's field are not always the best. Mm-hmm. So I, I I remember like when they play Dijon they have to play on field turf, which is yes. like an embarrassment. Oh no, is that Lorient? Dijon was the the field turf, or Lorient was the field. Turf. I think it was Lorient. Yeah, it's like it it the, the fields aren't always the best. Um, those locker those away locker rooms aren't always the best, and I think at home what sometimes happens is those guys are it's again it's a physical game, and I don't think they're always best conditioned for it. Mm-hmm. I just it's weird. I just don't feel like they're best. They, it is conditioning. It's the it's the muscles getting tired and tearing micro tears. But that's still <laughs> micro tearing of your muscle like that constantly in a way where it keeps you out for a month because your muscles aren't. Because your muscles are fatiguing like that, it's 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 not a good combination. I'm I'm worried just because Mbappe his game Cavani, he's older 
it's fine. He did something stupid. He pulled a Martin Gramatica. If you're not an NFL fan, YouTube it. Well, um, tore his ACL. I watched that game. He, <laughs> he jumped in the air and he tore his ACL when he landed. He, he, for those who don't know, he kicked the field goal. He jumped in the air to celebrate, landed, and tore his ACL. And it's pretty – I mean, you don't like to see you guys get injured, but it's funny. I think I mentioned another Gus Ferrat for the Redskins. He scored a touchdown or something and proceeded to ram his head into the wall, and then he, like – injured his neck so Cavani is up there in the echelon of players who injured themselves doing stupid things um but with Mbappe just his game is based so much off of speed this is not a good injury I mentioned if you thought it was long term but if he comes back too early or doesn't get the conditioning and he does it again he could be out longer and this is a guy that we can't afford to lose we just cannot afford not to have Mbappe especially you know as we go through the champions he's got to be there um, but before we can get to the Champions League, we got some matches to talk about. So most recently, we've already mentioned a little bit, the 4-0 over Toulouse at home. Um, Chupa Moting had, had a brace. Marquinhos wrapped things up with a, a bullet header on, I think it was his 200th appearance for PSG. And then there was an own goal as well. Um, and then before that, you know, Ren, they won 2-1. A lot of people, me, were calling for two cool serious questions to be asked of him. If you group those two performances together, what do you think about PSG's performances in those well, last two games? It's kind of hot and cold. Well, Ren are better than Tulu. So, yeah. and PSG played Ren on the road. PSG over the last few years have not been as good in league on, on the road as they are at home, and that's usually the case for most, you know, football teams. Usually like for some weird reason, f- football has a much, I think, more defined home field advantage than other sports. Like, it's just a major difference playing at home than playing on the road. And for for some weird, for some, even more than, like, American sports, it's a, it's a bigger deal. It's similar to, like, I would say either, you know, like, college sports where, you yeah. know. It's little, it's like that. It, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an advantage to play at home. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's part of it. I think PSG took a while to get the midfield they're working to figure out this midfield. I think they have figured it out, actually. I don't know if they figured it out. I, let's put it this way. I figured it out, but we'll, we'll see if Tomas Tuchel is in that same uh, ballpark of knowing that he figured it out. But Yeah, hold, um, hold that midfield chatter. That's our next topic yeah, we'll but, talk yeah, about. But I think that's key to what the difference is. I think Marquinhos playing further up works in certain games. It doesn't work in others. And I don't think it worked against Wren, and I think Tuchel was really late to sort of adjust to that. Like, I think he could have bought Gouillet on in that game mm-hmm. to possibly counteract that a bit, because I think Wren were getting in behind that, you know, that Marquinhos area and really mm-hmm. causing problems with their center backs. So I, I think tactically, PSG are still trying to figure this out. And I think that's kind of how they got caught in this game against Ren. I think Julian Stefan, the Ren coach, knew, knows how to play PSG. He knows the strategy to it. They knew how to. They knew what areas to attack, and they did. And they got PSG through playing it wide and then playing balls into the box. Yeah, I, I, because I, I, Marquinhos wasn't in the right positioning because he was playing further up and he had to mm-hmm. run back. I thought that hurt them a bunch in that. Uh, in that game. Now, the difference with Toulouse was Adrisa Gay just sort of makes a really big difference. But 
I think that's really the. I think the difference in those games was tactical more than anything. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Marquinhos in that game against Red. I mean, he was you know drastically overplayed by. Is it Kamavinga? Uh, the how was he? Sixteen years old. Yes. He should be like a, a sophomore in high school if he was here in the states. Um, you can't have a 16-year-old just boss your midfield and, you know, drop dimes from 30 feet out. And you just can't have that. So that midfield of Draxler, Marquinhos, Variety, let's go ahead and just scrap that and never see that one again. I know you love Draxler, but I I don't need to see that again. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you ha- On this show, you have to refer to him as the great Julian Draxler. <laughs> the great Draxler, yes. Um I don't like I don't like him in that position. I don't like him with that midfield. Maybe elsewhere we could try him out, but um, yeah, and, and you know Cavani did score, but it was mostly due to Ren just giving that goal away, passing it out of the back, and just gifting that goal. I mean, from the opening whistle, we were completely outmatched against Ren. It was pretty comical. So I was glad to see against Tulu at home. Um, you know, Cavani went out. Chupamodin came in. And I tweeted, I was like, you know, he's actually playing pretty well. And I, I got some flack for that. And then, boom, two goals. So maybe I should play the lottery or something. I, I bet on our man uh, Eric Chupamoting, and he he uh, rewarded me with two goals. Yep. So um, I'm glad we bounced back. I thought we played a lot better. Gay in the midfield. I thought you really locked it down. He was worth every penny that we paid for. He's going to be huge in the Champions League. So... That's kind of what our thoughts are on those last two games. But we got a game coming up on Friday against Mets. They are currently in 11th place. So far, they've had a, a 1-1 draw against Strasbourg. They had a big win, 3-0 over Monaco, but then they had a big loss, 3-0 to Angers. Um, it's the last match before the international break uh, and also the close of the transfer window. We won't see PSG in action until September 14th. So... You know, what is your idea? What do you want to see tomorrow? And what is the ideal midfield for you moving forward? Okay, so maybe I'm jumping the gun here. I think I know what the starting 11 of this team should be. For tomorrow or moving forward? Moving moving forward. Okay. Future. Okay. And again, I think I'll, I'll be, um, I'll, I'll probably disagree with Tuchel in certain spots here. It's Navas in goal. I'm not saying he's on the team yet, but I'd rather him over Ariola. Mm-hmm. Um, Bernat left back, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos to center backs, Colin Dag for the right back. Although I think um, I think Leonardo sees him maybe is not quite ready. I think he's ready. He looked great against Blue. I mean, but what a difference between him playing there and Munier playing there against Ren. Like Munier can. Munier works in a very specific way. He needs to be running forward and he needs to be attacking. He cannot defend to save his life. Which and you kind of have to do. Gadwit def- 19 can at least defend. Now, maybe they want to bring in another right back. If they brought in another right back, I would say start that guy. But if this is what we have, it's clearly Dagba. Oh, the yeah. midfield is simple. Gouillet, Herrera, Verratti. That's your midfield. And to me, if they start any other midfield, it would be a gross um, miscarriage of justice. Can I, let me interject real quick. For tomorrow, do you think Paredes should get a start just for the simple fact of putting him in the shop window in case anyone out there needs a midfielder? I'd start. Why not? Sure. Yeah. Why not start him? But that's the thing with Paredes. Paredes, he, 
and he, like you just watch the difference between him and Idrisa Gay. Mm-hmm. Idrisa Gay is not as good of a physical passer or a technical passer as Leandro Paredes. But every other pass from every nine out of ten Paredes passes are either three feet to the left or three feet to the right. And then he'll play that one long ball where everyone goes, ooh, pretty long ball. Yeah. But every other time, it's three feet to the left, three feet to the right. It's like a quarterback throwing checkdowns the whole game. Like <laughs> He's dinking and dunking down the field. It's, that's exactly what it is. And then one time, they'll make a pass, and everybody will lose their mind. It, it's clear. Watch Adresa Gay. Diagonal, direct passing. He gets the ball, he turns, and he looks for a guy to give it to. Yeah. And he usually gets it to that guy. And that guy's usually not three feet away from him. He's usually 25 feet away down the field, which is where you want the ball to go. Watch the first 10 minutes of that game against Toulouse. The ball goes down the field. It doesn't go side to side. PSG get caught so many times against these blocks by just Marco Verratti and whoever having a game of catch with each other. Like, I'll just tap the ball to you. No, you tap it back to me. Now I'll dribble it for two feet and I'll tap it back to you. No, it should be get the ball and get it forward. That's what Tuchel wants those guys to do. That he he times, should be screaming that from the, the touchline. Move the fucking ball. No, <laughs> and that's what it is, though. And then Is that what he's yelling in German? I don't know, but it, I think so. But it allows those blocks to just get – they just sit there because they don't have to defend. They just have to move. They don't actually have to run to defend. So when you have a guy like Idrissa Gay and Ander Herrera who make diagonal direct passes out of midfield to your attacking players, it blows everyone's freaking mind because PSG haven't done that in five years. So here you have – that's why that should be the midfield. Against Met, well, it can't be against Mets because Herrera's not ready. But when Herrera's back, those are those. That's your midfield. Yeah. Because then you free up Marco Verratti to do Marco Verratti things, and he doesn't have to be as worried about running the offense. Because sometimes when he runs the offense, the ball's stuck on him, and he doesn't move it. It just stays with him, as opposed to passing, 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 quick, straightforward passes. So I hope that helped. No, absolutely. And your attack I did, yeah. is Cavani, Mbappe, or Di Maria. Mbappe. Actually, I would really, I would have it be Di Maria, Mbappe, and then Neymar or whoever replaces Neymar. And we've talked about this. Di Maria mostly for his free kick prowess instead of yeah. Sarabia, who's not quite as good. Um, yeah. you know, so if Cavani is out, who do you like taking penalty kicks? Neymar if he's here, Mbappe if not. He's not Mbappe great at penalty good. kicks. He's fine. Give him more kicks, he'll be fine. Okay. All right. Let him kick the ball more, and he'll be better at it. That All penalty kicks are kicking it more. <laughs> and you should never miss. It's, it's, it's a giant net and one goalkeeper. It's all mental. Yeah. So what you're saying is Paredes is a square dancing version of Eli Manning. I knew I opened the door for that. I was kind of <laughs> hoping you didn't walk through it, but uh, well, it took me a second, but I got there. All right, let's keep it moving because we're coming up against the uh, our time here. So let's go jump right into our main event. Um, okay. That we're going to be talking about the Champions League draw. So that happened today. It was in Monaco. It was about lunchtime Eastern time 
here in the United States. So PSG will face Real Madrid, Bruges, and Galatasaray. Uh, we mentioned earlier, Madrid is going to be on match day one. They're going to be at home at the Parc de Princes. And then match day two is away at Galatasaray, then away at Bruges, then home against Bruges, and then away at Madrid. And we're going to finish with Galatasaray at home, which uh, I believe it was Terry, one of our contributors, said there's a, a big Galatasaray contingency in Paris. So they're going to have their uh, supporters in full voice at the park. So initial thoughts of the, the draw in Group A. Uh, to win, to qualify out of, a group stage in the Champions League to safely qual to pretty much assure yourself of a safe qualification. You want to have around ten points out of the six games you play. In theory, PSG should have nine points pretty much in the bag. The two games against Bruges and then the home game against Galatasaray. So that gets you to nine. So. To then qualify for the top two, at that point, you would pretty much have to just get a draw in one of those three games, which you'd think PSG could do. You can draw either Galatasaray on the road, if not outright win it, and you can draw one of the two Madrid games. So people who are worried about it, I know the world's most pessimistic PSG fan, Mike, (laughs) uh, I think you know who I'm talking about. Shout like, out to Mike. Yeah, Mike Legon, or was it? Yes. Was yeah. I, I love him. Love him to death. Very <laughs> pessimistic. Love him to death. He's been through enough. But it, you're gonna get a point out of those three games. I'm not worried about them qualifying as long as they get around five points out of the first three games. So a win against Bruges, and then maybe get a draw in one of those games. If they get four. They should be okay. So. What last year taught us is that those first three games can be a little tricky. Mm-hmm. As long as you get in a rhythm by the end, you should be okay. I'm again, I don't I think this was a fair group. Obviously, I think it was a little sketchy that PSG drew Real Madrid. Obviously, it looked like uh who was doing the draw? Um Petr Cech was doing the draw. He didn't yeah. even roll the balls <laughs> when he picked that. He just picked one he, if you notice it, he just picked one right out. He, well, he reached for the one that was cold. They put it on he ice so he cold. could feel it. Yes, he knew which one it was. He fell for it, and he got it. Exactly. So, yeah. But you know what? It's a fair group. It, it really is. It's not, it's not as tough that. as the one last year. I thought last year with Napoli and Liverpool. Um, last year was Liverpool. tough. It's, yeah. I, I said it on Twitter. Last year's was tougher. The one two years ago was easier. The yeah. one where you had Celtic and uh, Anderlecht. That one was easier. This one's a little harder than that, but not that much harder. Uh, what's going to be, of course, you know, Madrid match day one but without what, are, any attack. Are they, are they that Real Madrid, though? They have Zidane back. And if, if Tuchel can be outcoached uh, by Stefan at Ren with a 16-year-old, what can Zidane do? You know, that, yeah, and you don't have any players in the attack. But I, look, I look at that game this way. PSG have absolutely nothing to lose in that game. Oh, 100%. Absolutely nothing to lose. Which makes me think that Tuchel's going to go in there and we're going to get a really well game plan. I don't think they're going to lose because they had a poor game plan. I think they're going to game plan. They're going to play hard. I think they're going to give it a real go. And I think sort of either way, as long as they don't get blown out, I think it'll be a win. If Real Madrid win one nothing when our 
front line is Di Maria, Sarabia, yeah. and Draxler, which That's is what I think it would be with a false nine. You know, or they play a four-two-two with Moting and Di Maria, and then they have. They could do a whole bunch of things that way, but I think they they would play really defensive and have kind of a spirited go at it. I'm not as worried. I'm really not. I think they're going to be okay. As long as you can lock down Hazard, you know, that's their main yeah. attacking threat. Um, I'm with well, you. Let's remember, Hazard, Hazard's coming off that left side. I think Dagba would clearly play that. Mm-hmm. Munier, although, you know what? That'd be weird. Does Munier have some sort of advantage playing against Hazard, you know, in the Belgian yeah. national yeah. team practices? That's true. Is that something you you think about, or is that even like I don't even know. I'm just saying that out loud. It could be something you think about. Yeah, I guess you have to have a, a serious conversation with him, like you know, maybe call up the Belgian coach. Who who's the coach well, of Belgium? It was Roberto Martinez. I don't know if yeah. he still is. But you no, call him but Munier's a smart guy. He may not be a great football player, but he's a smart guy. You just say like, hey, you know, you you play against Eden Hazard all those times. What do you? What? How do you? You know, what does he do? What do you defend? How do you do it? Yeah, can you talk to uh, Dagba? Tell him everything you know. You're going to be on the bench. Yeah. That could work, maybe. Yeah, roll the dice on match day one. See what you get. And then there's a string of games there from match day two all the way to match day five where, you know, you should be able to get some decent results, build up your points total. And then away at Madrid on match day five, you should have all your players. You should have some new transfers in. Everyone's integrated into the squad. I mean, that's the one where you're really getting ready for the knockout stage. I think you got to treat that like it's, you know, a knockout stage. You're down a goal. And, you you know, you got to – all the mental tricks that Tuchel has, I think you got to just go all out. And that's a big game that I've got circled. Um, and then, you know, Galatasaray at home, we should be able to do something there. So I like I, I don't care where we finish. We finish second. I'm perfectly fine with that. If we top the group, great. Um, we just need to qualify, and I think it's set up well, so that we should be able to do that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It really does. And we're going to get a hard team in the round of 16 anyway, yeah. so what difference does it make? Yeah, yeah don't, don't kill yourself. Um, let's let's just take a second and uh, laugh at Barcelona. They're in the group of death with Dortmund, Inter Milan, and uh, Slavia Praha. I've never heard of them before. Um, I think they're from Poland. Yeah. You know so, what, though? That's, that, is group, that, is, that probably is the group of death. So how great would that be if Barcelona did not get Neymar and they crashed out uh, in the group stage? UEFA would never allow that. <sighs> they would never allow that. There's no way they would allow that. Somebody would do something. One can dream. The uh, The other French clubs in Group H, we have Lille. They're in a group with uh, Ajax, Chelsea, and Valencia. I think that group is totally up for grabs. I think Ajax is definitely taking a step back. Chelsea is... And Valencia could be okay, but... I mean, Lille could do something there. Eh. You don't think? Nah. I don't and think so. Group G, you got Benfica, Leon, uh, Leipzig, and Zenit. So yeah, if Leon doesn't get out of that group, that's 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 pretty brutal. They, yeah. they should they should get out of that. I like Red Bull and Leon to get out of that group. Um, all right, let's go to some Twitter questions to wrap this thing up. So. Let's see. At PSGAJ, one of our contributors, he wants to know, do you think there will be any more incoming transfers? If so, who? We've already talked about Navas. We think that's going to happen. But anybody else? I mean, unless Leonardo pulls a right back out of his ass, no. <laughs> um, like they, uh, Again, if they sell Neymar on Saturday and then they bring in Dybala on Monday, like, 
You know what I'm saying? It's just, it, it makes so little sense. It just yeah. sounds absurd. <laughs> so, I, I mean, besides Navas, I, you know, if I were betting on it, I'd say pretty much just Navas and that's it. Do you think that Dybala is something... He, I mean, he's been rumored to go everywhere. Clearly, he's he wants to leave. I mean, is it possible that we could get him, especially with it's, some of the attacking possible, issues we have? But you'd have to at, on August thirtieth, you'd have to overpay. Yeah, I don't know, and I think they have a lot of players similar to DiBala, but DiBala can kind of play a false nine for him. So I also don't like that he's got like image rights issues is that like every player is that not the weirdest thing you've ever heard oh I, we can't make a transfer we have to work out his image rights situation and the whole thing with like fifa 20 and juventus isn't having their logo in it what's going on at juventus with this like image rights thing well why juventus, do they think they're special no all those clubs sell their rights individually yeah, but why do they got to be different everyone is in fifa and now when i pick up fifa 20 if i want to play against juventus it's like some made-up crest. It's, it's Piedmont Calcio. Yeah, what is that? It No, it's just they, they sign an exclusive deal with Pez. And they're the only ones that get to use their rights because they pay a bunch of money. That's how business works. I hate Juventus. Not only because they've got Rabiot. I, just, I like Matuidi, but the rest of them, whatever. Yeah, um, they're, starting to, they're starting to become more commercial. They're starting to break their old, you know, old lady thing. They're not that, they're not that. And their kid know. is trash. We, we've totally gotten away from this question, but uh, was there a report? Was it Luka Jovic from Real Madrid? Was that even from something soccer credible? link? Was that even credible? Could that actually no, happen? No, okay. it It was from soccer link. <laughs> if Madrid wants to make an offer, throw him in there. You know, we they, could use yeah, some they, they sign that guy just to sell him. Like, yeah. What, what, these people are so stupid. Or they I, think other people are stupid. I don't know which one. I think fellow contributor uh, Eduardo Raza was seriously considering starting like a fake soccer transfer Twitter account. So stay tuned for that. Uh, let's he, get to another question. You know what? Here. He should. He should. Um, at M Tom Dem, he wants to know how rigged is the Champions League draw? Tom, my dear friend, very. <laughs> Yes, I, I've written about this, how they need to change it. I think if you were trying to rig something, this is exactly how you would need to do it. You know, those balls can be heated or cooled down. You can put something sticky on it. I mean, there's any number of things you can do to make sure that the people picking out the balls grab the one that you want. Um, it's totally rigged. There's, I mean, Manchester City draws, you know, the, the softest teams every year. They clearly know who to pay off. It's 100% rigged, but it is what it is. Um, at Loki120 wants to know, with the Neymar drama behind us, finally. Maybe. I don't Probably. think it's really behind us. How should Tuchel move forward? I'm guessing that means if Neymar stays in the team, will Neymar be you know just like it was before? Neymar's part of the team, or will he slowly bring him in? Do you think once the transfer window closes, Neymar's an automatic starter every week? Yeah, that one. That's the one. Yeah, you just Eagles move play. on like nothing happens. Eagles coach for his job. Yeah, yeah. If he has Neymar, of course he's gonna play him. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he's definitely. I, I know. I'm just saying, it's like yeah, we should give you a longer answer than that. But that's what the players don't hate him. The players yeah. like him back. They've said as much. They want to. They want good players to play with. They don't want to play with. You know what? God bless them, but they don't want to play with Chopo Moting and play with like those guys. They want to play with like stars. Stars yeah. want to play with stars. 
Definitely. So, yeah, they, it won't be a problem. If, if, if Neymar stays, he's playing the very next time they play that Strasbourg game, he's playing that game. He's starting it. At D7 Eisman, he just tweeted in 18 minutes ago, and he wants to know, do you think PSG is cursed? Now, before you answer and laugh at this question, you've got to look at the past few years in the Champions League. PSG has had some crazy, ridiculous things happen. Is the Parc de Prince built on some sort of Indian burial ground? Who, like, what happened? There is some crazy things. I think they are a little bit cursed. I don't know what we can do to reverse it, but do you think they're actually cursed? I don't believe in curses and superstitious things like that. What I will say, though, is that mentally, PSG are, I guess you might want to use the word cursed. I wouldn't. I would say more like damaged. Like, I think mentally, they have set themselves up to try to get this really hard goal and they can't achieve it. And even though it's a really hard thing to achieve and not everyone does it, and, you know, great players and great teams go their whole careers and whole existences without winning it. I think the idea that this is the standard and that anything else is a failure has put those players in such a weird mental place that, you know, every time, you feel like they're going to turn the corner. The first time something goes wrong, it snowballs into something worse than it would be if they were a team that had a better mental, uh, a mental framework. So I don't believe they're cursed, but I believe that as a group, they're, you know, it's more like post-traumatic stress Mm. disorder than like, some sort of weird voodoo curse. <laughs> you just gave me an idea with the mentality thing and how they like post-traumatic stress. They should hire someone to like hypnotize the players to just make them completely forget about what's happened in the past. Something to think about. <coughs> La- last question. Last question from Guillaume. He wants to know why is pizza round, but come in a square box? Um, square boxes are easier to hold. And I will say, not all pizza is round. Um, those in the, the Maryland, D.C. area, Lido's Pizza, I don't know if they're up in New York. They don't cut corners. Those are square pizzas. So not all pizza is round. But they don't come in a, a round box. No. I don't know. It's pizza interesting. Come in squ- pizzas come in square boxes because they're easier to carry. But you when the carry way- a square bo- You can carry a square box at the corners. So if you're carrying a square box, you're carrying a straight edge. As but opposed when, to carrying a circle. But when you go have to you like a restaurant. circle before, Ed? I, well, I have. When you go to a restaurant and you see them carrying like a tray of drinks, what shape is the tray? It's round. It looks yes. easy to carry. Because they're carrying it from the – they're carrying it at a shorter distance. And it looks fancier. Mm, okay. Circles are a – circles are a fancier – let's put it this way. A circle is the fanciest shape. So when you go to a restaurant or something, you use circles. You use plates are usually not square. Plates a, are in circles. Circles are very bougie. Yes, but do you see any when you ca- when something is shipped or it's a box. something is in the mail and it's in a box, yeah. not in a circle. If you want to get somewhere with something, you put it in a square. Okay. 
if you want to look fancy, you, want to look a fancy you put it on a circle. Guillaume, that is obviously more than you expected us to go in detail. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, let's let's your, go. I took your question seriously. I did not shake it off. No. Circles are fancy, squares are practical. If you send us a question, we're going to answer it. We've talked about chicken sandwiches on some of our podcasts. I believe on Friday we're going to have an update to that when we record our PSG Talking Podcast. Terry went to a Popeye's. He ordered the chicken sandwich. He has a review. He will break it down at the beginning of the show, so make sure you download, subscribe. Oh, you have his review. You have my review. That that sandwich is – did you did you go yet? I didn't go. It's so it's like 20 what minutes away. It? I don't know why. Oh my god! You really you're gonna you're gonna stop. You're, 20 minutes is Look, gonna stop you from a Popeyes chicken sandwich. I have a Chick Fil A literally like five minutes down the road. I can't bring myself to go 20 minutes out of my way for a chicken sandwich when I've got and there's a Wendy's with arguably the best chicken sandwich in my opinion. I'm just not gonna drive 20 minutes. I need your review and then I need to hear uh, Terry's review. What do you think about the chicken sandwich? I'm going to pretend you didn't say that about what. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we've talked a lot about PSG, about fast food sandwiches. Let's You're right, Ed. We have talked a lot. Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're over an hour. So let's wrap this up. Please follow PSG Talk on Twitter at PSG Talk. Um, pretty much Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, everything is at PSG Talk. So just go ahead and give us a follow. Find us on iTunes. Um, we're going to have this on our YouTube page. You can be, find us on Stitcher and Google, anywhere, Spotify, anywhere where you find podcasts, you'll find this podcast. Um, we're going to have more on the site about the Champions League draw. We're going to have, like I said, the, the uh, PSG Talking podcast. We're going to record that tomorrow and have that up for the weekend for you to listen to. Um, Mark, do you have anything you want to plug? How can people find you? Well, they can find me at Mark Damon one. Um, I will be uh, I will be home tomorrow, so I will be um, watching the PSG Mets game live. I will. Are you tweeting? If, yeah, I, uh, most games I tweet. Some well, things that you know, I have actual job in life, so sometimes I'm not around for stuff. But most of the time, I'm there to to live tweet the PSG match, interact if you know if you're respectful and not a doofus or not trolling um and yeah we it's a it's a psg twitter is an interesting place um are you gonna tweet during the champions league games no oh yeah uh, for those of you who are new to how this works i do not tweet the pretty much from the minute the lineup is posted to the next day i do not live tweet because what happens is people get emotional and they say things that they can't take back. I don't and know why then, you have to talk about me. No, not even you. You're not <laughs> even the worst offender. I've known people who tweeted some really nasty, really stupid things and had to go off Twitter for a while. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but there's some. There's been some people on PSG Twitter who've had to go to timeouts. Well, why don't you go ahead and give your <laughs> famous farewell, and we'll go ahead and get on out of here. Well, for uh, PSG Talks, Ed... This has been Mark Damon saying au revoir for now.